Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're visiting again, we welcome you. If you will be open your Bibles to Joshua, the fourth chapter. We'll start there tonight and work through some various passages, but beginning in Joshua, the fourth chapter. It is good uh, to have John and John Michael and Beth with us this summer. We look forward to working with them already. Uh, the uh, John Michael and Beth have been here this past week and it's going to be a great summer. That's very, very evident. We're thankful to have such caliber young people working with us. Memorials. We looked this morning at the fact that we need reminders. It's so easy for us to forget, and God definitely knew that. And He gave several memorials through the Old Testament. One of you after service this morning said, Hey, that was a great lesson. I just can't remember what it was about. Well... Remember, I made the deal with you that, uh, you know, if you remember anything about this morning and tonight's lesson, remember I said to you this morning, at least remember, it's so easy for us to forget. If we will remember the fact that it is easy for us to forget very important things, it ought to help us hold ourselves accountable. For us to stop and think, you know, on a regular basis... There are some very important things in life that if I don't hold myself accountable, I just might forget them. And I just might forget how important they are. And so tonight, let's look at some various aspects. What I'd like to do is go back at the beginning and just remind you of something that to me stands out as very significant about the text that we were working with this morning. In Joshua, the fourth chapter, we see that the children of Israel are about to pass over and cross through Jordan and go over into Canaan. And you remember that as God separated the waters and it drew such great attention, God wanted to make sure that they would have this as a memorial, something that they would never forget, that their children would even ask, what does it mean to you? And so he has one man from each of the 12 tribes to pick up a stone. And they stack those stones up so it will serve as a memorial. Now that takes us right into the fifth chapter. And in the fifth chapter, begin reading at verse 2, 3, and 4. It's interesting to me that the next topic is that of circumcision. Because while they were in the wilderness for the 40 years, men had not been circumcised. Now, do you remember how in Genesis, the 17th chapter, circumcision is explained? You remember back in the 12th chapter, God made a covenant with Abraham that he would bless all the nations of the earth through his family. And then he uses in the 17th chapter circumcision, and this is the words of the Scripture, and it shall serve as a sign to you of the covenant that I made. In other words, God wanted this to be a perpetual memorial, if you will, a reminder from generation to generation. Now, we read this in the 5th chapter down through the ninth verse. The very next verse, verse 10 What do we read of in Joshua 5 and 10? Now the children of Israel camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at twilight on the plains of Jericho. Now isn't that interesting? Now we're observing another memorial. The first month, the 14th day, was always the day for the Passover. And when we look back in Exodus, the 12th chapter, as the Passover was being instructed of how it was to be carried out the first time, Just as we studied this morning about crossing over the Jordan River, God went ahead and told them, now this is something that you're going to keep doing once a year at this time. And He even says there in Exodus, your children are going to ask, why are you doing this? And He says, you're going to tell them that death passed over and God took 
the lives of the Egyptians, but God delivered the children of Israel as death passed over. Now I want you to think with me for just a moment. When you read through Joshua, the fourth chapter and the fifth chapter, without any interruptions, there is not any topics in between these three things. God says as He passes over, put the stones up. I want it to be a memorial so that you will be reminded of the power that got you into your new promised land. Have the men to be circumcised. That memorial, I don't want you to forget the promise that I made that your family would be blessed and through your family would bless all families. And go ahead, it's the time of the year. Celebrate the Passover. Remember, it's God that's delivered you from that bondage and has brought you into this new land. Friends, we just can't read through the Scriptures without seeing the significance that God places on memorials. He wants us to remember. And He wants us to tell the next generation how important He is and how important He ought to be in their lives. Look with me, if you will, to Psalms, the 78th chapter. Psalms, the 78th chapter, we see a scene of rebellion among Israel that was recorded here in Psalms. And I want you, as we read through some of these verses, to just note how it is tied into them communicating, or either the lack of communication, with the next generation. I'm going to begin reading, and we don't have slides that where the verses are actually here, but you see references of it. I'm going to begin reading verse 1, and we're not going to take time to heavily develop this text. I just want you to be noticing the emphasis that God has always placed upon us remembering and informing the next generation. Beginning in verse 1, Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I'll utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. See how they're going to know that? The generation before have told them this. And we will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come. Now notice what they're going to tell the generation to come. And as we read this, ask yourself, have you told the generation to come these things? The praises of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that He has done. Have we talked to our children about the praise of the Lord, the strength of the Lord, and the wonderful things that He's done? We can't expect them to remember something that we ourselves do not remember and verbalize to our children. Let's read on in verse 5. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded, here we go again, our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children. So over and over here now, he again has emphasized, this is what has to be declared, this is what has to be shown, given, taught to children. Let's notice verse 7, and we'll see at least three things that he says ought to be taught to children. That they may set their hope in God, and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. Hope in God deals with the future. When we look at not forgetting the work of God, that could deal in the past. And then when we think about what is the present, the present is to keep His commandments. Again, just more emphasis throughout the Scriptures 
of how important it is for us to remember God and see the heavy burden of responsibility to help the next generation remember God. It has to be lived, but it has to be said. What are we saying to the next generation? Do you remember in Joshua, the fourth chapter, there's 12 stones that were lifted up. I'd like to think with you tonight through some scriptures. I'm not suggesting to you that the things that I have placed in some symbolic fashion of stones are necessarily the most important if you were going to list 12. But there are things that came to my mind when I thought about what I'd want to do in my life and what I'd want to communicate in the life of the generations behind me if they were to listen to the words that I said. As we do this, there are far more passages than what we have time to read. So if you want to take notes or you can go online and you can pull these slides down or we can photocopy them if you want further uh, study on any of these things. But what I'd like to do for the next few minutes is just hit 12 bullet points. And I'd like for you to think about, are you raising these stones in your life and are you communicating this to those about you and especially to the next generation. Number one, are you raising the stone of loving God with all of your heart? Matthew, the 22nd chapter and 37, we are commanded, the first and greatest commandment, to love God with all of our being. Now, as we see God, we see that not only is He to be the center of our life, but in John, the fourth chapter, in 23 and 24, He's to be the center of our worship. He's the object of our worship. And when we think about 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, I love that chapter that teaches about those of Macedonia. They were in poverty, but they gave generously even though they were in their poverty. Maybe you scratch your head and say, how could anyone do that? He says in verse 5, it's because they first gave of themselves to the Lord. When we're willing to give all of our being to God, we can do tremendous things. A second stone that needs to be raised in our life is to love our neighbor as ourself. We need to love others. We need to love ourselves. When we think about in Matthew 22 and 39, that great second greatest commandment, we also think about the fact that it serves as a type of sign or a type of memorial. Do you remember in John, the 13th chapter, when Jesus spoke of a new commandment that I've given to you, that you love one another as I've loved you? And he said, by this may all men know that you are my disciples. Jesus literally says, if we practice love toward others as he has loved us, it becomes a sign. It becomes a type of memorial where others say, I recognize that. Those people are different. Those people love each other like Jesus loved others. And to be called a son of God by God in Matthew the 5th chapter, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. It's important how we live with each other and how we love each other. A third stone that ought to be raised is a stone that is of the Holy Scriptures. We love the Holy Scriptures. We live by the Holy Scriptures. In Romans the 1st chapter, Paul taught in verse 16, that he was not ashamed of the gospel. When we read in 2 Timothy, the third chapter, in verse 16, we see that the scriptures are profitable. And then in 17, they equip us for every good work. Do I believe that? Do I live that? Do I say that to, other, uh, to peers and to others, uh, other generations? 
Do I believe that I can't do the good that I could do in my life unless I learn the Scriptures? Now, with that in mind, I need to also ask myself in Revelation 22, do I believe they're sufficient? The way I study them and the way I live them. I don't want to add anything to them. I don't want to take anything away from them. Another stone that must be lifted is an obedience to the plan of salvation. When we think about eternity and think about whether or not we're saved or whether or not we're lost, have I really obeyed the plan of salvation? Do I believe there's only one Savior, that He is the way, the truth, and the life? John 14 and verse 6. Do I believe that I have to be fervent in my heart, pure in my heart? As he says in Romans, the sixth chapter, 17 and 18, talking about us being free from the bondage of sin because we've obeyed from the heart that form, singular, that form of doctrine. Friends, there is one Savior and there is one plan of salvation and I need to make sure that I've obeyed that. If in Proverbs, the 11th chapter, he teaches that winning souls is wise, how foolish would it be if I lost my own soul? A fifth stone that needs to be raised is our respect for God's design of the family. Genesis, the second chapter, in verse 24, we see in that chapter not only the creation of Adam and Eve, but we see the sanctity and the design of marriage. As a man leaves his mother and father and cleaves into his wife, and they too become one flesh. We see also that home designed in in, uh, Ephesians, the sixth chapter in verse 1 and 2, as children are commanded to obey their parents and to honor their parents. We see parenthood, when it is done properly, exalted. When we study in 1 Timothy, the third chapter, the qualifications of elders and deacons, that they are to rule their households well. Friends, God's design of the home. Am I doing the best that I can do? Now keep in mind, we're all individuals. We can't live every person's life in the home. So I'm not asking you tonight to take on false guilt. It'd be wrong for you to feel guilty because someone in your house won't live according to that. We're only asking us as individuals. Where I am in my house, can I say I'm fulfilling God's plan in my house? Can I say also when it comes to the Lord's house, the church, a seventh stone is that I love the church. Do I love the church that was established back in Acts, the second chapter that belongs to the Lord? Do I love the church that worships as God taught that it ought to worship and that it's organized the way that God taught in the Scriptures that it ought to be organized? In Philippians, the first chapter, we see that he wrote to all the saints of the church of Philippi and also to the bishops and to the deacons. Do I see another stone that's lifted up in my life? Seventh, do I see the stone of evangelism? Do I have a real passion to help those that are lost find their way to their Savior? Not all of us have been given the ability to teach, but all of us can have a love for souls. All of us can pray for souls. All of us can invite. All of us can encourage. All of us can take whatever ability God has given us and use it in such a way to encourage the lost to find the Savior. When we think of 
of Mark the 16th chapter and Matthew the 28th chapter, we think of the Great Commission. And truly, it is a great task that God has placed upon our shoulders. Because Romans 3 and 23, all have sinned and come short, fallen short of the glory of God. And Romans 6 and 23, the wages of sin is death. If I believe that, I see the urgency. Everybody I know needs Jesus as a Savior. Do I believe that? Do I have a passion for evangelism? Has that been lifted up in my life as a stone? And I'm reminded of that daily, and I share that also with other generations. Also, the eighth stone that needs to be lifted is a true love. For that one time a week that faithful Christians gather around the Lord's table in communion, the Lord's supper, A time that is truly a New Testament memorial. A time where in 1 Corinthians 11, he teaches that we, as we take of the bread, we think of the body, and he says, this do in remembrance of me. And take of the cup to think of the blood, and this do in remembrance of me. And just a few verses down, he would teach the importance of not drinking and not eating this in an unworthy manner. How special is it to you to commune with God? To commune with the brothers and sisters in Christ at the memorial feast every week. We say something about the past, about the present and the future when we do so. For as oft as you partake of it, you do show the Lord's death until He comes. When we partake of it, we are remembering the death. When we partake of it, we're showing that we believe in His death. That's who we are today. And as long as time stands, New Testament Christians will be partaking of that every first day of the week until Jesus returns again. It is a memorial that actually points to the future also. A ninth stone that needs to be lifted is that of prayer. Are we people that others know we're people of prayer? We pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17. And we're careful, as James 4 teaches us. We make sure that we ask, because sometimes we don't have, because we do not ask. And we make sure that we don't ask amiss, that it's for our sinful desires to be filled. And then when you place those early verses in James 4 with the paragraph of 1 through 10, what to me is so powerful is that what this paragraph is leading to, it's leading to humility. Humble yourselves inside the Lord and He'll lift you up. Who is it that are people that are fervent in prayer? It's people that humbly realize, I can't make it without God. Friends, please get this point. Prayer is not an activity that's just good for Christians to do. We can't make it without God. Prayer is a humble heart that says, I have to have you, God. I have nowhere else to turn. I have no one else that I can ask for the things that I need to ask you for. Have we lifted that stone in our life? 
and if we taught others around us how important it is to lift that stone of praying without ceasing. Tenth, we need to be people of character. In Romans, the 12th chapter, it's so many practical teachings. We need to be people that's not shaped by the world, but transformed by Jesus Christ. People in verse 3 and 4 that esteem others. People that show kindness. People that do not seek vengeance, but they let God have the vengeance because it belongs to Him. But we're also people that are good citizens going right into Romans the 13th chapter. Verses 1 through 6, three times God speaks about His design of government and calls government His ministers. They're ministers to do good. They're ministers to execute the sword in times of wrath. And they're ministers of all things, God says, that you and I are to pay our taxes in order to support them. Am I a person that's lifted up a stone of good character? I have a good reputation as an individual. I have a good reputation as a citizen. Eleven, I need to lift up the stone of perseverance. Friends, the rubber is starting to meet the road. It doesn't take a lot to start the Christian life. In comparison to finishing the Christian life. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Those of us that are on the younger half of life, I'm not asking you to turn your heads right now and look around, but we need to observe some of our church family here They've been faithful in God's kingdom for decades. They're showing us what it is to endure the difficult days, to enjoy the good days, and not forget God. Hebrews, the 11th chapter, is the great hall of faith, not because those people were special in the way they were created by birth, but because they were faithful. They just continued to serve God. Whatever God asked, they were willing to do. Whatever life brought them, they were willing to stay with God. There's not some kind of magical dust. There's not some kind of secret formula. It's this simple. Faithfulness. And the final stone that we raise tonight is to ask ourselves, Are we people of vision? Do we believe that God and His kingdom can continue to do great things today? Great things today in my life and in your life. Great things today in the life of the Mount Juliet congregation. Great things in the life of this community. Great things in the the ministries that we work through. Friends... Nehemiah stood and he stared life at a time in the eyes that just wasn't a very good life. Jerusalem was struggling. They were beaten down. Their walls were torn down. Their gates were burned down. You know what? The first few verses tells us he had a burden in his heart as he cried and prayed and fasted. But the second chapter, he stood up with God with a plan. 
He believed that he and God and God's people could do tremendous things. And as we close this lesson tonight, I would like to read to you the very last sentence in the book of Nehemiah. The very last sentence in the book of Nehemiah is the 13th chapter, 31st verse, and it's the last sentence of the verse. And he says, Remember me, O my God, for good. You see, he's giving a declaration of what he wants his life to be remembered. In other words, he's thinking when my peers... When the generations behind me think of the fact, hey, Nehemiah lived. Nehemiah, what do you want to be remembered for? He didn't mention a wall. He says, I just want to be remembered for bringing good into the lives of others. There's been a lot of memorials. A lot of ways that God has asked us to remember Him and to help other people see Him and remember Him. Tonight, do you love God with all your being? And you love others? You love the Scriptures? (laughs) You've obeyed the plan of salvation. You respect the family. You're a part of His church. You're passionate about evangelism. You love the time to gather around, partake of the Lord's Supper. You're a person of character. You're persevering. You have a vision. That's 12 stones of many others that could have been lifted. But do you see the point of really all of this more than just the stones? It's this simple. All 12 of those are very important. And by human nature, it's easy to forget. Let's be reminded today to remember the things that are truly important you're not saved, now would be a good time to remember that and say, it's time to do something about it. I want to be saved. Are you a believer willing to repent of sins, confess before me, and to be baptized into Christ for the remission of those sins? Now would be a great time to remember God. Maybe you've been baptized into Christ and somewhere along the way, maybe you've forgotten. It's so easy to do. It really is amazing how easy it is for us to forget important things. Tonight's the time to remember to come home. I don't know about you, but that's one place I can remember. I can always remember the way back home. I think that's the way God wants us to see Him as a father and as a family place that's always inviting us back home. If you're not there tonight, don't leave here without going there 
tonight. If we can help you, come as we stand, as we sing.